This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. The Bigger Picture on BFM 89.9, the business station. Good afternoon and welcome to Front Row Under the MCO. I'm Juliet Jacobs, joined by T. Xiao Eek. So, you know, for the show, we are scouring the web and letting you in on a whole bunch of interesting offerings available on various platforms that we all can consume from home. So you get your daily dose of arts, culture and entertainment and... Uh, while you stay safely at home, mm-hmm, of, course. of course. So, um, But for today, we are going to start off with some dance. So mm. when it comes to the world of contemporary dance, most people will instantly recognize the name Akram Khan. So the British dancer and choreographer who is of Bangladeshi descent is world-renowned for his innovative blend of South Asian dance forms with contemporary dance. So for those of us who haven't had the opportunity to catch one of his shows in person, we now have the next best thing. For 48 hours starting tonight at 2am, the English National Ballet is going to be streaming a dance production by Akram Khan called Dust on its Facebook page and YouTube channel. So just a quick rundown of Han's um, significance within the world of dance. So over the last 20 years, his works have garnered acclaim in both the UK and internationally. He has won, among others, the Critics Circle National Dance Award, um, the International Society for the Performing Arts Distinguished Artist Award and the Laurence Olivier Award. Mm. And he's also got a long... Um, and distinguished list of collaborations, including with the National Ballet of China, um, actress Juliette Binoche, um, singer Kylie Minogue, <laughs> indie rock band Florence at the Machine, wow. um, visual artist Anish Kapoor, and writer Hanif Qureshi, you know, among... Very diverse. Very diverse, mm. and, uh, among many, many others. And of course, many of us will remember his fiery yet very moving segment in the opening ceremony of the London 2012 Olympic Games. Yes. Um, so this current show that streaming, Dust, was a collaboration between Khan and the English National Ballet back in 2014 as part of a series that the ballet did called Lest We Forget. So the series was a commemoration of the centenary of the First World War and in 2018 the work was restaged to celebrate the 100th year anniversary of the end of World War One. So what is interesting about Khan's work is that it takes inspiration not just from the struggles of the soldiers at the front line of World War One, but also from the contributions and challenges faced by the women who were left to both care for their families mm. and also have to work in the factories in order to sustain the war efforts. So here's a clip of Han explaining his inspiration for the work Dust. The initial inspiration for Dust was two things. One of them was the idea of trenches. I was intrigued by the number of men in the First World War that were living in these trenches. And the fact that they had to dig into the earth is something that is interesting for me because somehow I feel we come out of the earth and we go back to the earth and they're digging themselves into death because a lot of those men knew they were going to die once they stepped out of that trench. That aspect was interesting for me. And the other aspect was about women and their shift in how society regarded these women and the fact that they shifted from being housewives to suddenly being women who worked in factories, so they were workers. This transformation in the First World War was very fascinating. It was a dramatic shift of how society looked at women. 
that sounds really fascinating. Yes, it does. I, I know it's rare to see wars discussed or portrayed from the point of view of women. That's right, yeah. You know, despite the fact that they played a huge part in sustaining the effort. Um, like Han says, World War One was the big shift for many women in Europe mm. to start working and the factories were largely, effect, uh, largely staffed with a female workforce. And on top of that, you know, women were also still taking care of their homes and families. Mm. Wow. So there are lots of rich stories there to be told. Exactly. Mm. And um, so in terms of what the show will look uh, will look like the title of the production is a pretty big giveaway. Um, the idea of dust is depicted both literally and figuratively in the dance. The performers, both male and female, are dressed in drab, sort of brownish greyish material mm-hmm. and are streaked with grime. And in many parts of the show, there appears to be swirling clouds of dust all over the stage. So here's a clip of Han explaining how and why he arrived at the title Dust for the production. I didn't know what title it should be. I think I came up with 30, and all of them didn't sound interesting to me. It was just too obvious. I think there was this poem that this poet had written during the First World War, and the word dust was in that poetry. Dust is connected to death for me. We turn to dust. In a way, dust was very relevant to this piece because it is about life and it's about death. There's a little saying that I say in one of my pieces that in life and death, we're continuously moving. In life, we're breathing. And in death, our body continues to move because we're continuing to decompose. But we're continuing to decompose into dust. So I would describe dust with these following words, life, death, absence, and memory. So it should be pretty clear by now that dust is not your traditional ballet with like, you know, the fantastical mm. sets and dancers in tutus. In fact, back in 2014, when the English National Ballet commissioned the work from Khan, it was part of a deliberate shift in direction for the ballet company. So the English National Ballet's artistic director, Tamara Rojo, who had taken on the position in 2012, wanted to, um, you know, expand and reimagine the idea of what a ballet could be. And dust was in fact the English National Ballet's first collaboration with Akram Khan. They would later go on to create a new production of the iconic ballet Giselle. So um, Dust uses the English ballet company dancers, but it plays around with ballet conventions, introducing Han's distinct contemporary dance approach to the mix. Mm. So don't forget, Han's own dance background began with the South Asian dance form Katak, which he later infused into his contemporary dance choreography. And here he merges all of that with the conventions of ballet. So you get dancers executing pirouettes that resemble Kata's um, chakras, which are also spins, mm-hmm. and movements that seem to draw from the mudras or the hand gestures of classical South Asian dance. Yes, and uh, another thing is that Khan also draws from real life for his choreography. You don't have to be an expert in dance to recognise the movements that resemble people working in a factory, for instance, mm. or the repetitive movements or of, of an assembly line. And this is contrasted with the chaos and confusion of the battle feel where the dancers' bodies sometimes literally clash with each other. And uh, there are also these beautiful ethereal formations where the gracefulness of ballet is combined with the more freeform contemporary techniques, mm-hmm. which, you know, really create moments of beauty in between the more sombre parts of the performance. So here's a clip of Han talking about his experience working with ballet dancers to execute his choreography. Having some experience with my own training, Indian classical dance and contemporary training. I've always been fascinated by the language and the ballet body. And working with English National Ballet, what's really been interesting is I've had to make choices that I would not normally make. And that's great for me because I'm having to search in new places. 
Everybody's body is different, so depending on what language you have, that makes it even more different, or depending on what culture or education you have. The fact that I'm working with these very technically strong, classically trained dancers from the ballet world, what's interesting is my vocabulary looks different. The same vocabulary that my I would do or my contemporary dancers would do. So I'm trying to look for the essence of it, to retain the essence. However, I'm trying to also emphasize the strength of the ballet body. I was curious to see what the same language would look like on these extremely talented, supercharged technical bodies. Of course, a large part of a ballet performance is its music. Mm. And, you know, like everything else about dust, the music for it is anything but conventional. So the soundtrack for the show was composed by Jocelyn Pook, who scored films like Eyes Wide Shut, The Merchant of Venice and Brick Lane. Mm. And while she's classically trained, she's worked with musicians like Nick Cave, The Cranberries and Richie Sakamoto. So that should give you an idea of how diverse her style is, I suppose. A lot, much like Akram. Much like Akram himself. That's yeah. right. So that sounds like a wonderful uh, um, joining of talents. Mm. Yeah. So her score for Dust is performed by the English National Ballet Philharmonic. And it takes a storytelling approach to composing. For instance, in a section of the show that focuses on women, which has a very factory-like feel to it, Pook works with percussion to create this rhythmic, repetitive feel to add to the story of what the women are experiencing. Yeah, and she also brings in an unexpected... Um, uh, she brings in unexpected elements to add to the soundscape. For instance, she uses an actual recording of a World War I soldier singing a marching song. Mm. And she plays this over a haunting mel- melancholic tune towards the end of the performance. And there's something so moving and powerful about hearing this voice from the past juxtaposed against the dancers paying tribute in present day. Mm. I, I uh, watched a clip of that that featured that tune and it's really haunting. I can imagine, yes. And uh, she further adds to this by overlaying a recording of singer Jonathan Peter Kenny singing the famous poem by John McRae, In Flanders Fields. And really all of this adds to an absolutely beautiful and quite otherworldly finale where two dancers perform together. Well, we can't show you what that looks like, but here's the composition that plays over it.
I am really excited I to know, watch this. Really right? looking forward to it. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's so hard to catch a performance by him, and you know, he's so world renowned. I'm, I'm, you know, everyone just talks about him with such reverence, mm-hmm. and I've never had the opportunity, and I'm so glad that we're getting a chance to see this. Yes. Um, even though you know, maybe it's uh, I, I'm not a fan of contemporary dance. Oh, really? Very, I love it. <laughs> to be honest, um, but his works, I mean, you know, the li- little bits that I have seen online, for example, mm. it looks amazing. So yes. this is something really, really exciting. Yes. And the clips here look beautiful. There's something so muted yet um, expressive about it. I mean, I, muted because of those colours as, mm. as you described earlier, right? But but I think that just serves to underscore the theme and the, the, the what he's trying to bring forth about the First World War. And it's, uh, it's funny to call it a ballet when it's actually so not... A traditional type right. of ballet. Yeah. yeah. I, I wonder how the purists are feeling about that, actually. <laughs> you know, they're like, this is not ballet, this is temp- contemporary dance, probably. But I guess, you know, if you can just suspend all of that and mm. just really get into it. And um, it's it's still a beautiful performance. It's still, you know, just... just And the content is something the, that's... The content is, is great because um, I think the First World War isn't uh, something that many people remember that's or right. talk so much about. It's mm. often eclipsed by the Second World War, um, especially, I think, for us uh, in this uh, particular part of the world. But um, World War I, uh, uh, um, it's estimated that about 40 million people died and that makes it one of the deadliest conflicts in human history. And so I think these kinds of stories and performances are a great way to remind us of that. Yeah, so if you are interested to catch Dust by Aharm Han, um, it will be streaming on the English National Ballet's Facebook page and YouTube channel starting tonight at 2pm. 2am, 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 right? Uh, and for 48 hours. So we're going to, I was just going to take a quick break before we head into our second segment. But here's another piece of music from the show Dust, composed by jo- Jocelyn Pook. You are tuned into the Daily. Uh, you are tuned into <laughs> Front Row under the MCO, and stay tuned. FM 89.9, the business station. There are giants in the sky. There are big, tall, terrible giants in the sky. When you're way up high and you look below at the world you left and the things you know little more than a glance is enough to show you just how small you are. When you wake up high and you're on your own in a world like none that you've ever known Where the sky is lead and the earth is stone, you're free to do whatever pleases you 
Welcome back to Front Row Under the MCO. I'm Juliet Jacobs, joined by T. Xiao Yik. And in this show, we present our special curated list of arts, culture and entertainment that you can experience right from your own home as you will be the MCO. So you just heard Lin-Manuel Miranda's Giants in the Sky from Into the Woods. So I think that pretty much gives you a clue <laughs> which genre we're discussing in our second segment today. Yes, uh, musical theatre, of course. And if you've been desperately missing that during these trying times, don't worry because Broadway has found a way to come alive in the most glorious glorious of ways. So in honor in honor of Stephen Sondheim's 90th birthday, 90. Amazing. I know some of the most popular Broadway stars came together digitally to sing their hearts out and belt their throats dry. Yes. So this homemade concert had the likes of Meryl Streep, um, Lynn Manuel Miranda, who you just heard, Jake Gyllenhaal, Neil Patrick Harris, and many, many more perform in their kitchens and living rooms. Mm-hmm. And some of them just wearing bathrobes, <laughs> by the way. Um, and it was aired on Broadway.com and YouTube a couple of days ago. But the full two and a half hour show titled Take Me to the World, a Sondheim 90th birthday celebration is still available on YouTube. So we thought we'd you know, geek out a little bit about that today. Yes. So for those of you who may not know, Stephen Sondheim is one of the most prominent and influential American composers and lyricists of the modern time, best known for his work in musical theatre. So for decades, he pushed the boundaries of musical theatre and gifted us with his often exciting, sometimes dark, but always rich music and lyrics. So he's the mind behind the music and lyrics of um, shows like Into the Woods, Company, Follies, A Little Night Music, Sweeney Todd, The Demon Barber, Fleet Street and many more. Sondheim holds the record for most number of Tony Awards won by a composer, eight. Wow. Yeah, and he also has a special Tony Award for Lifetime Achievement in the Theatre, eight Grammy Awards, a Pulitzer Prize, a Laurence Olivier Olivier Award. I'm so excited. (laughs) And uh, if you're still not convinced of his genius, in 2015, he was even presented the Presidential Medal of Freedom by former President of the United States, Barack Obama. And uh, although his focus was primarily on musical theatre, Sondheim also received an Oscar in 1991 for Best Original Song for the song Sooner or Later, I Always Get My Man from Dick Tracy. (laughs) So the home concert has a bunch of big name Broadway performers, as we mentioned, uh, singing some of Sondheim's most iconic songs, as well as talking about why they love the man or how he has Mm. influenced them. And as much as we'd love to go through all of the songs performed, sadly, you know, we can only highlight a few. So here are some of the performances that stood out uh, to us, you know, the most. Uh, Sherry, what's the first thing that caught your eye? Well, I zoomed into Neil Patrick Harris. I remember him from the Dr. Doogie Howser days. Oh, wow, yes. He's aged, by the way, which reminds me of how old I am. But this one is Neil Patrick Harris rapping. So he jokingly starts off his segment by talking about how he picked a song that will showcase his vocal range. Uh, and I thought about all the vocally challenging Sondheim songs, but it, as it turns out, he picked the witch's rap from the prologue of Into the Woods. So here's a snippet of his performance and told your father that what she wanted more than anything in the world was greens greens and nothing but greens parsley peppers cabbages and celery asparagus and watercress and fiddle ferns and lettuce he said all right but it wasn't quite because i caught him in the autumn in my garden one night he was robbing me raping me rooting through my rutabagas raping my arugula and ripping up the rampion my champion my favorite i should have laid a spell on him right there 
that was Neil Patrick Harris performing the Witch's Rap from Into the Woods. And Juliet has just reminded me that he actually appeared in a much more recent sitcom <laughs> called How I, How I Met Your Mother. That's really showing my age right there. You revealed it to us all. I was trying my best not to laugh on it. But anyway, um, I do love the fun stuff, but you know, I also do gravitate towards the darker songs mm. as well. So I was really thoroughly captivated by Donna Murphy's rendition of Sending the Clowns oh. from the 1973 musical A Little Night Music, which was an adaptation of Ingmar Bergman's um, film Smiles of a Summer Night. So this song is a self-reflective ballad from the second act of the musical in which the character Desiree thinks about the heartaches and ironies of her life. The clowns in the title doesn't actually refer to the clowns, <laughs> of course, but rather fools. And um, Sondheim actually talked about this in a 2003 interview with the New York Times where he said... As I think of it now, the song could have been called Send in the Fools. I knew I was writing a song in which Desiree is saying, aren't we foolish or aren't we fools? Well, a synonym for fools is clowns, but Send in the Fools doesn't have the same ring yes, to I it. Agree, yes, I agree. Totally agree. This was the right choice. Mm-hmm. Um, so here's a snippet of Donna Murphy singing Send in the Clowns. Donna Murphy singing Send in the Clowns uh, written by Stephen Sondheim of course for the musical A Little Night Music. Yes and those that we featured are just some of the songs performed at the Take Me to the World a Sondheim 90th birthday celebration concert there's so much more to get into there's Annalie Ashford and Jake Gyllenhaal performing Move On from Sunday in the Park with George and Jake Gyllenhaal has a surprisingly lovely singing voice No I haven't caught it yet so yeah Um, Kelly O'Hara singing What more do I need from Saturday night? Um, of course, we played you, Lynn Manuel Miranda. Uh, one of my favorites was um, Aaron Tevet. I think that's how you pronounce his name. He did Marry Me a Little from Company. Um, you know, I'm sure Juliet Lea Salonga must be one of your favorites. Oh, you yes. know me so well. There's Lea Salonga. <laughs> um, there, there's just so much more, um, uh, including, I think, uh, the one that's trending um, quite a lot now on the internet and arguably the biggest hit of the home concert. Uh, these three ladies, Christine Baranski, Meryl Streep and Audra McDonald performing The Ladies Who Lunch, um, also from Company. And uh, that one's something to catch as well. If I'm, if I've only seen like a little glimpses here and there. They're all sitting in their bathrobes and, you know, having a drink of some sort, aren't yes, they? Yes, they're sitting in their bathrobes. I think just looking very comfortably, uh, <laughs> looking very comfortable, I think is the best part of it. And I think that's what I love about... Um, all of these um, sort of cobbled together DIY performances that have been put up, especially in the realm of musical theatre, mm. is just them being at home. Um, you know, you you can see how just laid back they are, but when they open their mouths and start singing, it's it's like you just close your eyes and you're transported to the show. Yeah, you know, without all the bells and whistles, That's right? right? It's yes. just pure talent That's that comes right. out. It's yes. amazing. I mean, I think I've been seeing some like Andrew Lightweber. You know, I'm a huge fan. Yes. Obviously, I don't hide it. <laughs> but you know, even. He 
he's been performing from home and, uh, you know, getting his musicians to perform from their Definitely, homes as well. Yes, I've watched a few wow. of those and I love them. You know, the way it comes together, you know, just like how it does in this performance as well. Though I must say, you know, listening to all of this, I'm sure there would have been a wonderful stage performance of this and that might have, that would have been spectacular, mm. don't you think? Yes, if if uh, times were different. If times were different yeah. and that, you know, had gone through, I think that would have been amazing. Yes. But, um, you know... What is it like for you, you know, watching Broadway performances through the screen? I mean, do you feel it can replace the real thing? Well, I think for us, that has been more of the default, hasn't it? Because mm. we, uh, it's so hard for us to go somewhere where we can watch. They don't come here very often. That's true. Uh, perhaps Singapore is the next best that we have. Or uh, when we do have the privilege or luxury of going to the UK or US. So a lot of what I've seen has been, um, for example, Phantom of the Opera. Um, anniversary show and all that you know it's been through the screen it's still great because it's, the music still comes through the exactly. performances still come through yeah you still see you know I mean you still get the the feel of it you get, still get sucked into the storyline mm. and the, the you know the, how moving it is so for me it's it's been it's been pretty cool and yes. also you know there's no giant person sitting in front of me and blocking so <laughs> short person short person problem here you know every time I go for theatre mm. this is my issue but it's been wonderful and I'm so grateful that you know all of them are releasing this for free for us during these times yes yeah. and this on time one I think it really brings together not only the best of um, the performers in Broadway I mean if you watch the ensemble uh, song at the end it's really cool as well because it's some of the I suppose perhaps the not the principal performers um, but they're still equally talented and it's also well edited together but it also brings together the best of Sondheim and all of the much loved songs you know uh, and as we mentioned earlier Sondheim himself even received a presidential medal of freedom from um, Barack Obama the former president of the US and in his speech Obama said as a composer and a lyricist and a genre unto himself Sondheim challenges his audiences his greatest hits aren't tunes you can hum they're reflections on roads we didn't take and wishes gone wrong um, a relationship so frayed and fractured that there's nothing left to do but send in the clowns wow it's beautiful. That is beautiful. So if you'd like to watch uh, Stephen Sondheim's 90th birthday celebration, just head over to Broadway.com's YouTube channel. And if you don't have the time to sit down and experience uh, the entirety of it, there are timestamps time included in the description section of the YouTube video so you can pick and choose whichever performance you'd like to watch. I, I will say it's actually not difficult to... I mean, you can have it playing in the background, for instance, while yeah. you're doing other stuff. And the, each performance is relatively short, so it just keeps and you it, you're constantly entertained. Yeah, it's something to keep you company, yes. literally. Right? Yes, <laughs> I'm afraid that's all the time we have for today's show. But if you need to drop us a message, you can look us up on Facebook, uh, search for BFM The Bigger Picture. Uh, if you miss any part of the show, you can always download the podcast at bfm.my uh, on the BFM app or also on Spotify. Coming up at 1 p.m., it's the Midday Music Machine with Daryl Ong and Hanif Baharudin. But we're going to leave you now with a snippet of Christine Baranski, Meryl Streep and Audra McDonald performing The Ladies Who Lunch from Company. This has been Front Row Under the MCO on The Bigger Picture BFM 89.9 Here's to the ladies who lunch Everybody laugh Lounging in their caftans and planning a brunch on their own behalf. Off to the gym, 
Then to a fitting Claiming they're fed Then looking grim Cause they've been sitting Choosing a hat Does anyone still wear a hat? I'll drink to that Stay smart, aren't they again? Rushing to their classes in optical art, wishing it would pass. Another long, exhausting day, another thousand for listening to this podcast to find more great interviews go to bfm.my or find us on itunes bfm 89.9 the business station